Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Is in Acts 17, uh, verses 20 through, 22 through 34. And it reads, And Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things. And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. Being then the offspring of God, We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, We shall hear you again concerning this. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. All right. Praise God. Clear. If I can get my pages to come apart. Uh, we are in Acts chapter 17 today. Um, sorry that my, my mom pointed this out to me when I came back to the pew. I was using the uh, New American Standard here. I don't know what they were putting up there, but not the New American Standard apparently, which is okay. Um, but I'm sorry if it was a little hard to follow where I was at. I'm always a little hard to follow. I'm all over the place. So I apologize for that in advance. Here we go. So... Today, we are talking about the plentiful harvest that extends to the ends of the earth. Uh, we base this off of Acts 1.8, uh, where it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So today, we're talking about the ends of the earth, how we are to reach out to those who are far away. Now... What does that look like for us? We had that little video at the beginning uh, that was a Christian comedian, his name's John Christ, talking about kind of what short-term missions looks like. Uh, And obviously a lot of it was in jest, but he was saying, we got to wear these ugly t-shirts so everybody can see what we're doing. We've got to get there, and the first thing we're going to do is we're going to have a day off where we're taking rest, and then the second day we got to go shopping 
so that we can give gifts to all the people who gave us money. Uh, and that's, honestly, that's a lot of what missions looks like. And it's important to be in the culture. It's important to be rested. It's important to get to know the people that you're interacting with. Um, and so there's, there's definitely a lot of truth there, but some of it can be selfishly motivated. Like he said, what's the point of doing work overseas if people in America don't know we're doing it? But that's not what it's about. That's not at all what it's about. It's supposed to be a cooperative effort among the church. I picked this picture instead of some harvesting tractor because it talks about how the harvest is so plentiful, but there are so few workers. If you look at that huge field, can you imagine how long it would take to gather all of that? Um, it looks like some kind of grain. I'm not sure what type precisely. I'll be honest, I'm not that great at identifying plants. But whatever it is that they're harvesting. That would be rice. That would be rice? I know it grew on sticks. I'd, plus, I didn't see any water. And I know that rice patties usually involve a lot of water. I don't know. Rice. They're probably collecting rice based on their hats. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm bad, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they're out there, they're collecting rice, but there's what, seven of them? That's a big field for seven people to be out there doing everything by hand. And that's kind of what it's talking about in this verse. It's saying, there's a lot of work to do. Roll up your sleeves, let's get to it. But you've got to start where you're at. So when Paul comes to Athens, uh, starting in verse 16, it says, now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was beholding the city full of idols. That's the first thing that we notice. His spirit was being provoked. He didn't go out and do something that he felt like was just something that he needed to do. It wasn't something that he felt that he just wanted to do. It wasn't something that some board had decided for him and then they sent him out there. His spirit within him was provoked to go out and reach these people. But that also requires paying attention and listening to the Holy Spirit, knowing when he's provoking you and what he's calling you to do. He was sensitive to that. And this should play into how you serve others. You need to serve in a way that sets your heart on fire for God, something that stirs you up, that gets you excited. See, ministry is something that is personal to each and every one of us. We all have different ministries. No matter where you're at, no matter where you work, no matter what you do, we are all called. In the end of Matthew... One of the very last verses. We see what is called the Great Commission. Starting in Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's not the great suggestion. It's not the great idea. 
It's not the great, I think you should probably do this maybe. It's the great commission. It is our mission. It is our duty. It is our responsibility to go out and reach people. And we're all given different gifts. We see outlined throughout the New Testament that we all have these different abilities that God gives us through his Holy Spirit to best reach out to others. And so what stirs your spirit? What gets you fired up? How are you enabled by the Holy Spirit to reach out and serve others? For some of you, that might be prayer. I know that a lot of people, quite a few in this church, are specifically dedicated to prayer. Um, it was so sweet. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys know Bonnie Mead. Um, she is over at Twinbrook, but when I went there and talked to her last time, uh, she was rattling off how there are all these people on the prayer list. I think she said there's over 100. Sounds like she sat down, prayed through them all, and counted them. That's incredible. How awesome is that? I, I, I don't want you to overlook that, you know, your gifts might not be the same. You might not be great at coming up and standing in front of people and giving a message. I actually have never really minded public speaking. It doesn't bother me. Some people are more afraid of public speaking than of death. So it, we have different gifts. And that shouldn't be something that divides us. That shouldn't be, oh, well, my gift's not that, so I'm not good enough. That's not true. We are all equipped to serve. So I want you guys to think about how the Lord has equipped you. Pray about that and figure out what it is that you can do to best serve the Lord each and every day. So what provokes your spirit? What gets you fired up for God? The next thing that I noticed in this passage uh, was, oh, forgot I've been flipping around here. Got to go back to Acts. But the next thing I noticed in this passage was that Paul paid attention to what was going on around him, and he reached out to the people where they were at. So verse 17 of chapter 17 of Acts says, So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him, and some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, uh, others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him up and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. What the, uh, we want to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. And that's when he stood up among them. And then in verse 23, uh, it says, For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar. He was walking around. He was paying attention. He was listening. He was being where the people were. He didn't go out and set up a soapbox and say, Here I am. Listen to me. I have the best stuff to tell you. He approached people where they were at. He talked to people as they came by him. He paid attention to their surroundings, to their lifestyle, to the idols. Now, it doesn't mean he worshipped them, but he got, a, he got a good understanding for where the people were at so that he could approach them. 
And I think that oftentimes we get this idea on what we want to do, what we need to do, and we implement that before we listen to the people that we're trying to serve. I'm not saying that that happens every time, but oftentimes I feel like we, we come up with this idea. Like the guy, the comedian, John Chris, was saying in his video, we're going to go and we're going to paint this schoolhouse. Now, was this schoolhouse painted last week by a different missions group from another church? Yes. Are there professional painters in this country? Yes. Is there high unemployment in this country? Yes. Could those professional painters use the work? Yes, definitely. Would they do a better job? Probably. But they were going out there and doing it anyway. Now, again, that was, that was a joke, but there's a little bit of truth to that sometimes in our ministry. We come up with these ideas, and it might be a great idea, and it might be a good way to serve. But we really need to listen and understand what people actually need and what would feed their souls and what would take care of them. In James, he talks about how oftentimes we see the needs of others and we don't properly address them. He asks, what good is it if when you see someone who's cold and naked and hungry and you say, you know, I pray that you would be warm, I pray that you would be fed, I pray that you would be clothed, and not meet that need if we can't. So the next thing he did was he paid attention and he figured out where they were at. Now, he did talk to them about God. It's not that he excluded that, but he kind of waited to see where they were at. And then when he did approach them with the gospel, he used that knowledge to better reach out to them. He says, I see you're religious in every way. You even worship the unknown God. And then he shed some light. He says, here, here's who this unknown God is. You guys have been reaching out for it. You want it. This is what you're missing. Let me fill you in. Now, because they didn't, he was unknown to them, our God, the one true God, he gives a basic outline. And I think it's important to know this. Oftentimes when we evangelize, we, we have this like, this idea. We have, you know, whether it's the Romans road or I think there's one that's like three questions or, you know, creation, fall, redemption, or you know, there are all kinds of different ways to share your faith. And they're all great different tools. But I think that we should recognize what Paul uses here as he reaches out. Not that those other tools aren't great tools, but I think that recognizing the foundation that Paul lays as a good one for evangelizing is important. First thing he mentions is that God created everything. He says, I'll, I'll read it from, it uh, starts in verse 24. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things. So, the first thing he says is, God made everything. He doesn't need us. He made us for him. And he points out that 
He made everyone from one person, from one man, from Adam. That's where we all came from. And he set the boundaries of our life and of our understanding so that we would long to know more. We recognize that, you know, we're human and that oftentimes we're not enough. He made us that way so that we would reach out for him. And that's what Paul's establishing. Going back to that idol that they made, to the unknown God. They wanted something more. They knew that there was something more. And Paul's saying, here's what you're missing. Here's that hole in your heart. Oftentimes, we do that same thing and we don't even recognize it. We fill that hole with television. We fill that hole with sports. We fill that hole with family. But it doesn't ever quite feel right. And that's why. Those things are all fine and good. There's nothing wrong. Family is a wonderful thing that God has blessed us with. Sports are a whole lot of fun. And they can be great physical activity. But that's not what life is is about. That's not what we're made for. We are made for unity with God. Next thing is that God gives us all the power to see who God is. Uh, it it kind of talks about that in verse 28. For in him we live and move and exist. And even some of your own poets. So again, going back that he was paying attention to what the people were saying. He knew what their poets said. There's a little bit to that. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. He wasn't saying, I agree with everything your poets say. He wasn't saying, I love all of your poets, and they're like the best things ever. But he knew what the poets had to say. He knew what the people were thinking. He knew where they were coming from and what their culture was saying. Anyway, sorry. Uh, He said, even as your own poets have said, For we also are his offspring. Being then the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like silver or gold or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. We see that there's a difference. It's not something that we can make. It's not something that's always tangible. And it's not something that Paul made up. It's not something that the disciples made up. It's something bigger than we could ever make. And then the last thing he points out is because this God, this righteous God, that isn't made by people, that isn't ruled by people, that isn't pleased by us, he loves us. And we do bring him pleasure in serving him but we're not good enough in and of ourselves. We need him because we've fallen. And he says, there's going to be judgment one day. And that judgment is going to be executed by the one who resurrected from the dead. That's Jesus. He didn't say, he actually here didn't list the name of Jesus. He just said there was one man who God set aside as something special. One person who he chose and showed the world that there was something different, something bigger, 
and he raised him from the dead, and one day that person is going to judge all of humanity. And what's awesome is we know who that is. And we can have a relationship with him. And that's the news that we need to share with others. That this God who created the entire universe, who has the right to sovereignly rule over everything, who has set a day aside for judgment, will forgive us if we pursue him, if we put our faith in this one who he resurrected. It's a beautiful thing. So, going back to sort of the beginning, we see that God needs to use us where we're at. As I said at the beginning, in Acts 1, 8, it started in Jerusalem. It started where they were at. And then they moved out. And that same thing rings true for us. We need to recognize that today is a new day. That today is a day where we should be serving the Lord. And that might not look like what yesterday looked like. You might be in a different spot today than you were yesterday. As simple as my parents yesterday were in Fairview. Today they're in Northeast. So who knows? God might have a different opportunity for them here in Northeast today than they did in Fairview yesterday. You know, it's not far, but it's still moving. It's still a new day, a new opportunity. And as I said earlier, God has given you all gifts to reach out. God wants you seeking opportunities to serve. And that might look different, and that's good. That's not even just okay. That's perfect. That's how it's supposed to be. We are supposed to be relying on each other in community. If we think about the analogy that Paul sets up with the church being a body, made of different parts. And let's say, Kenny, you're going to be an ear today, all right? You be an ear today? Yeah. yeah, you could be an ear. All right, Dad, you're going to be an eye, all right? And let's see, Phyllis, can you be a foot? That'd be all right? Yeah? Okay. And so what would our body be if we didn't have all of those different parts, if they didn't serve in different ways? You know, Phyllis does praise things. Kenny does different maintenance things around the church. Now, my dad is from a different church, albeit, but he has been an elder there for, I don't even know how long. I don't even know if he remembers how long. Probably not, but a long time. And so that's serving in different ways, in different capacities. But we need all of those different things. Because if we had people who were on boards and made decisions, but we didn't have people who were willing to serve and keep up with things, what would we do? 
if we didn't have people who were helping lead worship, I feel like we would be missing out on so much in praising God. Now, sometimes we might have different perspectives because the worship people might want to upgrade some of their music equipment, and that might take a lot of maintenance work. And in order to make that work together, we might need to have a board meeting of some kind. And that takes cooperation, and that takes listening, and that takes understanding, and that takes work, and that takes time, and that takes money. And that can be daunting. And that can be frustrating because we're human. And some of our different perspectives can get on our nerves. You know, maybe the ear gets a little bit itchy from time to time. Or needs like a Q-tip. <laughs> or wishes it was a mouth. Exactly. But all together, it's a beautiful thing when we're relying on each other. Next thing is, Paul followed the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, in order to follow the Holy Spirit properly, that means you need to be in the right place to follow him. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean like Jonah, that you're on your way to Tarshish and you're literally in the geographical wrong spot. But your heart needs to be in the right place. And you need to be seeking after God in order to be responsive to the Spirit. Oftentimes, and to be quite honest, preferably most times, the Holy Spirit is a still and silent voice. And it requires an attentive heart to notice. Because when God uses the big voice, that's when you don't want to hear it. And then the last thing, Paul started with the basic stuff and worked his way up to the specifics. When we share our faith, when we serve others, we don't need to be throwing out these deep, heavy theological truths and, and quoting Luther and trying to make them have this, this college-level theological understanding. It's important to work our way up, but they got to start on the milk and work their way up to the stake. And so he didn't, he didn't have some in-depth explanation about the Trinity. He said God made everything, that God is with us and around us, and that God sent someone as a righteous sacrifice. That is the Trinity in a very basic explanation. He didn't go in-depth. He didn't try and make it so that they could understand all of the different analogies and what modalism is. Which is, I think if I remember right, there are different ways to try and understand the Trinity that don't quite work out. And I think modalism is saying that um, God is like three separate people that have separate functions. I, I believe that's the way it works. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Awesome. Lee's up to date on these things. I remember from this goofy uh, video about St. Patrick, to be quite honest. Uh, it's called St. Patrick's Bad Analogies. If you ever have five minutes to waste on YouTube, I highly encourage it. It's a goofy little video about how St. Patrick did the whole cloverleaf thing, uh, and he's you know, sharing his faith to the people. And the, the little peasant guy's like, Patrick, that's a bad analogy. That doesn't work. And so Patrick goes, St. Patrick goes through all of these different, like, well, the Holy Spirit's like this, and you know, God's like this. And they're like, it doesn't work. 
And St. Patrick finally gets frazzled. He's like, you know what? Fine. God is three people who have different names, different titles, but they can't be separated, and they're all holy, and they're all God, and you can't really understand them. And they're like, there you go. Now you've got it. So it just, you, you don't need to try and drown them in theology. Share with them where they're at. Share with them where you're at. Oftentimes, the most powerful way to reach someone with the truth of God is by telling them what God has done in your life. With that, I'd like to close in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. It is truth. We thank you so much for the different ways that you gift us, the ways that we can work together to serve you, and how reaching out to someone doesn't have to be daunting. Lord, you give us gifts. You give us talents. You give us passions. And you use those within us to help us serve. So Lord, we pray that you would help us to be flexible, that we would be molded, that we could follow you and be more like you each and every day, that we might be able to be used by you as your vessels for your truth, to share your love, your word, and your deliverance with others. Because God, you are the only one who saves. And we know that. You're not some idol made with hands. You're not something made up by human invention. You are beyond us. Yet you humbled yourself and became one of us so that we could be with you. And we thank you for that. We lift all of this up in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.